it's not fair. It's not fair to take me to a restaurant, fill me full of food, including the most delicious cookie you ever ate, right, Grace? And then expect me to get up and preach. So if I fall asleep, somebody wake me up. Everybody in my house got a nap but me, I think, and Karen, and Grace, my faith, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, tonight I want to do, this afternoon I want to and 31. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And then we're going to go over to uh, 21, verses 24 and 25. This is the disciple who bears witness of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose even the world itself could not contain the books which were written. And so we have John talking about the reason that he wrote the Gospel of John. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name. And then we have John writing and saying, I didn't write everything I know. If I would written everything I know, the world itself wouldn't hold the books. So he selectively wrote those things which would cause us to believe. So then we go over to 1 John. And he also tells us in those passages that he was writing what he knew, not something he had been told. So we, we go over to 1 John, and he begins 1 John this way, 1 John 1, 1. What was from the beginning, okay, what we have heard, He had heard with his sense of hearing, his own sense of hearing. What we beheld, what he saw with his eyes, his sense of sight. What our hands handled, he had touched. Concerning the capitalized word of capitalized life. Which means what? That is a proper name. That is a name. That is a name of a deity. All right? Let's look back at the, the Gospel of John and read the first verse or so there. Remember he's talking about the word of life? In the Gospel of John, he says, In the beginning was the Word, capitalized Word, and the capitalized Word was with God, and the capitalized Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So he's obviously, in 1 John, talking about the same thing he was talking about, the same person he was talking about in the Gospel of John. And he calls him the Word. Why would he call him the Word? Now, we're not gonna, I'm not going to do scripture passages for this, but I'm going to take you and, and say to you why he would call him the Word. All right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do that? He spoke it into existence. God's Word was the power that formed the earth. Fast forward to the mountain of transfiguration. God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And so the authority of the Word was transferred by God to His Son. Now we know He had that authority before God announced it to the rest of the guys. But He was the Word. He was the living Word. His Word had power. His Word had power over, over, the, over nature. His Word had power over death. His Word had power over sickness. He was that Word. Okay? And so John is recognizing Him. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, and John had heard him, John had seen him, and John had touched him, and so he's not writing about hearsay. He's writing about things that he personally had experienced. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. The life was manifested. We, we read John 3.16 this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He's writing about that only begotten Son that God gave. And he describes him as the eternal life sent from heaven. Let's look at Romans, the sixth chapter, and I want to read the first 11 verses. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall one who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism unto death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his, of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
For he who has died is freed from, from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so when John is writing to us about that eternal life, which the Father manifested to us, he's still writing about Jesus. Because Jesus will never die. He is eternal. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you might have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Remember this morning we talked about God, the love going from God to Christ and Christ to God, and God to us and us to God and us to Christ and Christ to us. This is what he's talking about. Isn't it? He's talking about, except this time instead of saying love, he says fellowship. What does this word fellowship mean? Fellowship has been described as two fellows in a ship. Two fellows in a ship, what? They'll either learn to give, get along or they won't survive. They'll either get close or they'll not, or one of them won't be there, all right? Because when, when you're in close proximity to someone, you have to develop an affinity to them in order to exist. And so John is saying what we've seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. Now, how are we going to have fellowship with John? We can have fellowship with John by looking at his writings and following them. By looking at his example and living likewise. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy might be made complete. Um, the completion of joy is written about in, in John, the third chapter. begin reading um, verse 27 John answered and said a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven you yourselves bear, wit bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ but I have seen I have been sent before him he who has the bride is the bridegroom but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him 
rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice, and so this joy of mine has been made full. What had made John the Baptist joyful? Hearing the voice of Christ. What had made John's joyful? And what will make our joyful? Hearing about Christ. You, you know, uh, I think it was Friday night. I came home from work. And uh, Paula said, I was on the computer today and I was looking at our Hawaii pictures. And it really, really made me happy. So John is sitting down to write an epistle. And he's reminiscing and thinking about the Savior that he spent three years with. And you know what? He was full of joy. He was happy to have been there. He was having very fond memories of the time he spent with the Savior. Does this cause the same effect in us? Does sitting down and reading about the Savior have the same effect on us? And you say, well, it's not about the Savior. What's the Old Testament about, Jim? Jesus. Leading up to him. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God in, is light and in him there is no darkness at all. All right. What does he say in John, in the Gospel of John? First chapter. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. The life was the light of men. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Let's look at 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. Begin reading in verse 11. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. 
Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of Lord, of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone possess immortality and dwells in, approach, in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Who dwells in unapproachable light. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we can't be in his presence. Why? Because he is light. It's like when I'm sleeping in my bed and the girls come in and turn on the sun. We have a we have a light fixture over the bed in the room where I sleep that I think has six bulbs. And when it comes on, you will not sleep. And so they come in, Papa, get up, boom, the sun's on. Now, when that comes on, there's no darkness. So when we're in God's presence, when we're in the presence, when we're in fellowship with Him, there's no darkness. Because He is light. And so if we're, trying to, if we're trying to say we're in fellowship with Him and we're trying to live in darkness, we are lying to ourselves. Second chapter of First John, the seventh verse. Behold, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I should have used that this morning, shouldn't I? It would have fit right in. Don't fool ourselves. That takes it back to love. If we don't love, we're walking in darkness. We're fooling ourselves. 
But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What is the reward of walking in the light? The cleansing of our sins. Without the cleansing of our sins, what happens to us? Okay. So, walking in the light, as He is in the light, we get to walk with Him, we get to walk, we have fellowship with John, and we get our sins cleansed. But if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Somebody asked me one time, why is it necessary for an erring Christian to confess her sins? You know, I can tell you why. Because if we're not willing to confess our sins, then we're trying to hide something. And we're not, we, we may, I may hide, I may hide it even from Paul, I may hide it from Alan. Some other people would be a lot easier to hide it from. But I'm not hiding it from God. He knows. And so what does he say? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When do we want to be ashamed? Here or on the day of judgment? And then he closes out this chapter with the 10th verse. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Romans 3.23 says what? All have sinned. And so, if I am so arrogant as to say, I haven't sinned, I have not sinned in 40 years. What am I doing? Not only am I fooling myself, but I'm telling God he's a liar. Second chapter of First John, verse fourteen. 
I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Why has he written? To encourage us. And I want to wrap this up with John, the third chapter, the 31st verse to the end of the chapter. The Gospel of John. He who, ha- who comes from above is above all. He who is from the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, that he bears witness, and no man receives his witness. He who has received his witness has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In both books, John's writing about the same person. In both books, he's writing about Jesus. In both books, he gives us a message. A message that we should desire to obey him. We should desire fellowship with him. And we should recognize that he is light, he is life, he is everything we have. If if there's anyone who needs to respond to the gospel call, you may do so as we stand and sing.